Okay, here we go. Um, welcome, everyone, once again. Uh, again, I'm Matt, lead pastor. This is my beautiful wife, Tanya. You guys, this morning, we are concluding a series that we've been doing all throughout the summer. Uh, it is called James, Faith in Motion. And without any further ado, we are going to conclude this series today with the last passage of Scripture. We've been reading through the entire book of James throughout the summer. We've been taking it, uh, ex- expository type of preaching where we're going line by line. It's been powerful. How many people have enjoyed the series in the book of James? So good, right? Now, again, just to bring you up to speed, for those of you who maybe have not been with us, the book of James is an interesting book. We call it almost the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. Um, it has been a controversial book throughout history because a lot of people contend that the book of James is too practical, that it's telling us that we need to work out our salvation, and that that's, it's all about works. It's not about your faith. It's about works, but that's not the truth. We've read through the book of James, and now we understand that faith and works work together. And the big idea, the question that we've asked throughout this entire series is, what is the evidence of faith in your life? What is the evidence of faith in your life? And that's why we love this book is because it's very practical. It gives us practical ways to live out our faith in our day-to-day lives. Quick refresher, Pastor Mike kicked off the series, and his comment and statement was this, the bottom line is that we are saved by a living faith. Week two, we talked about this idea that faith endures. We talked about faith that endures. Then we talked about this in week three, we talked about faith and money, and we talked about is there evidence of faith in your life and how you view money. Then in week four, we talked about faith to overcome temptation, um, uh, Pastor Mike preached a sermon after that on mercy triumphing over judgment, faith and mercy. Uh, week six, we talked about the proof of faith. Um, in week seven, my beautiful wife preached on the power of your words. And then in week eight, we did humble faith. We talked about this idea of the meekness of wisdom, and that was a, a great message. And then finally, last week, Pastor Mike left us before he went to, Ma- to, to, to Africa. He preached on faith and justice. So this morning, As we close out the series, we're going to be talking about prayers of faith. The prayer of faith. And, special treat. We're tag teaming preaching today. (laughs) So, we're really excited about it. Am I reading this first verse here? All right. So, what we've been asking is, what is the evidence of faith in your life? That has been the overall question here in James. And today, we're in James 5. 13 to 20. So we're going to read it together, then we're going to pray, we're going to dive into it. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I love that verse. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. 
Once again, we come under the authority of your word. We recognize that you are supreme, God, um, Lord Jesus, and, and our ideas need to come under that. So, Lord, this morning we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would hear from you, God, that you would speak to us, God, that you would plant a seed in our hearts that would re- not return void, but would accomplish what it is set out to do. We thank you this morning, Lord God, for your living word, and let it come alive in our hearts and in us, Lord God, and Lord, we just pray that you'd give us the wisdom and grace to, begin to, to communicate this well. We ask it now in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. So the big question again is, what is the evidence of faith in your life? And if we were to put a question down to this one today, we would put it this way. Is there evidence of faith in your life in the way that you include Jesus in the seasons of your life? I want you to notice that when James begins to write about this idea of prayer, he, he, he writes about it under different ideas and different seasons of life. He, he asks the question, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. So the question is this, is there evidence of faith in the way that you include Jesus in the seasons of our life. And here's how we've chosen to break this down today. We're going to break it down into three headings, okay? And the first one is called Seasons, and my beautiful wife, Tanya, is going to take this one. All right. So James 5, it starts, it says, if any of you are suffering, sorry, where's that scripture? If any of you are suffering hardships, you should pray. Who has gone through seasons of hardship? Who has gone through seasons where it is just tough? It is not easy. And James is so practical here. That's what we love. It's like the Proverbs, right? It's so practical. He says, you should pray. You should pray. Invite God into the seasons of your life. Invite God into your hardship. Lay it out before him, honestly and humbly. That is the word. I said to Matt when we were studying here, I was like, I was like, you could just read this scripture slowly over and over, and you don't even have to elaborate on it because it's so rich and deep and the depth of the words there. If any of you are suffering, you should pray. Mic drop, (laughs) right? You should pray. Bring it to Jesus. Psalm 34, verse 17 to 20 says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He rescues those of you whose spirits are crushed this morning. I know that there are some people that would be in here that would be feeling that this morning. He is your rescuer. Come to him. Invite him into this season. Invite him into your season. The righteous person faces many troubles. I'm in verse 19 of Psalm 34. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. I'm so sorry. I got to jump in here. You guys, can I just, can I help you out here a little bit? A, A few weeks back, Tanya preached a sermon on the power of your words. And so I want to encourage you, church, let's be a church that, uh, that it, it, uh, appropriates these words into our hearts, okay? So when the word of the Lord is spoken, there's this thing you might hear in a lot of churches, it's very churchy. When people, uh, you'll say something that's really good, you'll hear somebody in the crowd go, right, yeah, they'll go, amen. And what, is, what does amen mean? Amen means, so be it. And there's power in your words. So when you hear these promises of the Lord, if there's one that you need for yourself for that day, then speak it out. Amen. 
So be it. Let's practice, everybody, okay? I'm going to say God is good, and I want you all to say amen. All right, here we go. God is good. Amen. 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 That's so good. So, church, if you are in a season of suffering today, if you find yourself there and you cannot see, like, just past it, pray. You should pray. Because the Lord hears his people when, he pray, when you pray. He will heal your broken heart. Yep. He will rescue you. He will do it. It may feel like he's not on your timeline, but I believe firmly. Because I know what he has done in my life. He will come through. Amen? Amen? All right. There are seasons of sufferings, seasons of pain. Turn to him. Turn to him. That is number one. Church, turn to him. Lay it out before him. Number two. If you're, it says... If any of you are happy, you should sing praises. Amen? If you're happy, sing songs of praise to him. If your life is going well, praise him. Thank him. I am grateful. I am grateful. Lord, I will praise you. I love that song that we sang at the beginning. That one's more of a declaration of like, even when the, the, when the walls are coming down and in the yeah. valley, when I cannot see it, when I'm going to just sing through this storm, I'm going to just jump and dance on my shackles that are feeling to buy me. That is a declaration of prayer in times of suffering. But then there's also good times in life. There are times when it is good and you are just living in the land of the living and you are just just experiencing his goodness so deeply and richly. Praise him. Do not forget to thank him. You know, they say that in times of suffering, it is, uh, well, hopefully it drives us to God. And a lot of times it will drive us closer. I don't know if some of you have found that in times of suffering, in times of great need, it does drive you closer. But oftentimes, sometimes when everything is just going well, we forget right? And I just want to encourage you, church, if you're in a season of goodness, of happiness, of joy, do not forget to thank him for, your, for the good things that he has done. Do not forget to thank him and praise him for what he has done and what he is doing and for the goodness that you are experiencing in this very moment. All right? All right. You should sing praises. Verse 14 of James 5 says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. If you are sick, invite church leaders to pray for you and anoint you with oil. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen? By his stripes, church, you are healed. If any of you are sick, and we believe in this, come to the elders. Come to spiritual authority. Come to your pastors, and we will pray. We believe in the power of prayer. We just did it this morning in church. We prayed for one another. Come. Come. Don't, don't isolate yourself. Come. I have a testimony of this. When I was a young girl in this very church, my, I was suffering a sickness, and I was really, really sick. I was 12 years old, and my parents stood upon this scripture, and they came before the elders of this church many, many years ago, and they brought their daughter, me, who was very sick, and I remember standing on this stage, very embarrassed, I might add, at that time when I was 12 years old, but I was sick, and my parents had run out of all options with doctors and everything, and so they came before the elders and said, we need to anoint 
her with oil, and we need the church to pray. And this church prayed, and this church prayed, and believed, and I was anointed with oil. And you know what? My God healed me. I was healed. I was healed. And I, I have that testimony. That is my testimony. I am healed. I am alive. God saved my life, and he had a purpose for my life. He has a purpose for your life. If you are sick, come to the elders. Come to the pastors, and come, and we will pray and anoint you with oil. Continuing on in verse um, 15. Confess, did I just skip? 16. Oh, I did skip. Oh, no, here we go. Confess your sins to each other, verse 16, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I love that. Number four, confess sins and be healed and forgiven. Psalm 103 Verse 2 and 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. He is your healer. He is your miracle worker. Church, we believe that. We want to stand with you. You come, you confess your sins and be healed and forgiven. Bring things out in the light. If there are some things that you've been, if you become aware of your sin in your life, if you become aware of something that is going, that it's God, usually the Holy Spirit makes you aware of something in your life, brings something into the light, confess it first to him, then confess it to godly people, godly mentors, godly friends in your life. Because when we bring things out into the life, there is power in that. And then it's, when there's light, there's freedom. And there's forgiveness. He will forgive you all your iniquities. Amen? He forgives all of your iniquities. Amen. Section one is called Seasons. And section two is called the Prayer of Faith. And we're going to pick up from where Tanya left off. I'm going to read that again. That first part, the second part of uh, James chapter 5, verse 16. It would be 16b, if you will. And it says this, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. And produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Church, come on. There is a prayer of faith that produces great results. And here's, here's my favorite part of this passage. Is that it says this. Elijah... Okay, here's, here's, what, here's what I think it's going to say. Elijah was unhuman. He could do many things and none of them were wrong. Everything that he did was perfect. Elijah prayed five hours a day. When he woke up, the first thing that he did was prayed. When he went to bed at night, the last thing that he did was prayed. And then Elijah spent every other moment of his life praying all the time. He was so close to God that anything that he prayed would come to pass. That's, that's not what it says. It says that Elijah was a man just like us. He was human just like us. Do you know what that tells us, church? That the power is not in you. The power is in Jesus. Amen. The power is in the Lord. And I love how it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Who have great power and results? It's the righteous people. And you might think, well, then I'm disqualified because obviously I'm not righteous. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he made him who knew no sin, that is Jesus, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Amen. God has made us righteous today, church. So just as Elijah was able to pray the prayer of faith, as he was able, a person just like us, he was a person who didn't, wasn't special. He didn't pray five times a day necessarily. He might have, I don't know. But he didn't, you know, that wasn't what made him special. It was the fact that he believed God. He prayed in faith. And he prayed in a way that, that said, God, come and have your way in me. And he was able to pray the prayer of faith. And the Bible tells us that the prayer of the righteous person avails much. Church, do you know that your prayers avail much? As Tanya said at the very beginning, I think the big idea today really is that are you turning yourself back to Jesus in every moment of your life? Are you turning to him in your suffering? Are you turning to him when you're happy and things are going well? Are you turning to him when you're sick and you're experiencing pain in your body or in your mind? Are you turning to him? Are you turning to him when you've sinned and you've fallen short of his glory? Are you turning back to Jesus? Because this is the godly, this is the, the biblical idea, the theological idea of repentance, which is to walk one way and then turn back to him and then turn back to him. Because God is looking for a people that will constantly turn back to him. Amen? Amen. It's the prayer of faith. I wanted to read this quote to you from Martin Luther as we were studying this idea of prayer that uh, this, this quote came up, and I just thought it was so good as well because I think another thing that, that helps, hinders our faith sometimes, hinders our prayers sometimes, is we often think that maybe God's too busy for us. That maybe God has too much on his mind. Like really, he could, how could he care about these small little details? How could he care about, you know, what I'm going through in my life right now? And Martin Luther says this, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance but laying a hold of his willingness. Can I just encourage you, church? We have a God who cares deeply about you. The Bible tells us that, that he knows the, the hairs on our head, that the thoughts that he thinks towards us are greater than the sand on the seashore. Psalm 139. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Church, some of you need to start crying out to God, not because he's reluctant and you need to try and knock on his door and get his attention, but because he is willing and waiting. Would you pray the prayer of faith? Come on, this morning we prayed the prayer of faith. We stepped out in faith and we prayed for healing. Can God heal? Yes, he can. And I can't wait to hear the testimonies of what God's going to do through that. Amen? The first section is called seasons. The second is called the prayer of faith. And the third one is this, turn to Jesus. What's interesting about how this is written is it's not, the book, the epistle doesn't close the, the way that most epistles would close, which is very eloquent often. Often they'll draw attention back to God, his greatness, his splendor. They might give a personal greeting out of it. Hey, I just want to greet, you know, this person that's over here and, and say hi to this person and, and blessings to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say that. James just kind of drops a bomb at the end. Which is very much in alignment with, with the book of Proverbs, which I'm sure was very influential in this book. But at the very end of the book, how does he end this, this scripture? He says this, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of sins. And you might say, oh yeah, the end. And you might say, what does that have to do with anything that we have just read? But I want you to understand and, and, and re recognize this language here. It's if somebody wanders away from the truth and is brought back. What did we talk about at the very beginning? In your seasons, turn to Jesus. 
right? In your, in your suffering season, turn to him. In your happy season, turn to him. When you're going through struggles or hard times, turn to him. When you're sick, turn to him. And when you sin, turn to him. And what is this saying here? We need to turn others to him as well. Not only do we need to turn to him in prayer and turn to him, but we need to turn others away back to him. Amen? In these seasons, we need to turn to Jesus and turn others to him. Now, where does that sound? How come that sounds familiar, babe? What is, why is that familiar in our what, is there something that, that we often say around here that, that might kind of align with that a little bit? What is he getting at? <laughs> she doesn't know. You guys are in trouble. Our purpose is to care for and bring people to Jesus at Life Church. That is our purpose. That is what we're here for. And we will keep saying it. We'll keep saying it. We here at Life Church want to care for each other and bring people to Jesus. Bring each other turn people, help people turn. When you cannot see it, when you cannot see past your mountain, we can come along as a family of God and help turn you, help bring you to Jesus. That's what we're all about. And our prayer for you is that you'd be inspired to turn to him, that you'd be inspired to turn to him in your, in your down seasons, that you'd be inspired to turn to him in your happy seasons, that you'd be inspired to turn to Jesus in your suffering, and that you'd be inspired to turn to Jesus when you sin and you fall short of his glory. Don't let those things get in the way of turning back to him. And as we call you to it, the call on our hearts and our call on our lives is to turn others to it as well. In the book of 2 Corinthians, it says that God has reconciled us to himself, which is to turn us back to himself, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So now we get to go and do the same thing that Jesus has done for us, which is turn us back to him. And we get to go inspire other people to turn to Jesus. Because church, let me remind you of something here. We don't save people. He does. Amen? Amen. It's the prayer of faith. It's turning others to Jesus. I want to finish with this scripture here. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, God is calling us to turn to him. How do we do that? In prayer. God, I, I, I'm having a hard time. I'm suffering. I'm going to turn to you. God, I, I'm happy today. I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to give this back to you. Man, we were just away this week uh, on vacation, and there was this moment where we were sitting out there. I don't want to make you jealous, but this is what happened. Okay, we're, we're sitting out there, and we've got these iced coffees, and we're sitting on our chairs on this grass part, and there's a lake in front of us. We're at Cultus Lake. And my kids are at the end of the dock, and they're jumping off. And I, I got this coffee in my hands. I got this beautiful woman sitting beside me and family there. And I just stopped in that moment and said, God, thank you for this moment. You know what wanted to happen in that moment? There was a moment of sitting there where my mind started to get overwhelmed with all the things that still needed to be done and all the things that I needed to focus on moving forward and all these things. But I just, I just stopped in that moment and recognized this is a moment of joy. And so Jesus, you know, praise, give him praise, give him praise in the highest. I just praise you for this moment that I'm sitting here on this lake 
in this beauty all before me. You've made it for me today. Thank you, Lord. We're just singing praise to the Lord in that moment. And then when you're suffering and you're sick, pray. Turn to Jesus. Turn back to him. Looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We turn to him and we pray the prayer of faith and we believe God to move and we know that he will. And then we take that and we turn others to Jesus because our purpose is to care for and to bring people to him. So the question is, what, is there evidence of faith in, a way that in, you, you, in the way that you include Jesus in the seasons of your life? And with that, we conclude the book of James. Amen.